Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having all done all to stand, stand. Uh, this is from Ephesians uh, 6 chapter 10 to 13. Any of us who are familiar with spiritual warfare are very much familiar with this particular chapter of Ephesians. Um, it talks about the armor of warfare in this chapter. It talks about the enemy that we're fighting in warfare. And we've been covering warfare off and on for the last two or three weeks. And we're talking about, you know, wrestling against invisible uh, enemies. And we've talked about somewhat about the mind and different aspects of, of spiritual warfare. And in this uh, sixth chapter of Ephesians, it tells us that we're, you know, wrestling against, you know, principalities. And principalities is what, uh, it's a word that really describes something because a prince, you know, is an appointed authority. And being an appointed authority has a municipality which is a region of political governance. So in this particular chapter of the Bible, they're telling us that there are, you know, demonic influences appointed to govern over certain geographical areas in the kingdom of darkness. And, and we find support for this idea in the book of Daniel as the prophet was told by an angel that his prayer had been heard and answered, but the angel was delayed in bringing the answer for 21 days because the prince of the kingdom of Persia uh, we can find it in Daniel uh, 10, 12 to 13, was holding, you know, up this prayer. And this prince was not, you know, a human uh, figure. This prince, you know, was uh, fighting against the archangel Michael, you know, who had to be called upon for help because the prince was a demonic principality. The second group that Paul is talking about in the book of Ephesians is powers. Now, powers, these are demons who seek to have power over individual lives. They want to sort of like invade or encroach upon the lives of, of God's people and different people. And, and, and there there's some demons that are called uh, by the very acts that um, they commit. And we have to be aware that sometimes... Um, you know, some people when they're de doing deliverance, they allow demons to name themselves, and some prefer them to be to be silent. But a lot of times, when they name themselves, they really name out the action or, or the thing that they're actually doing within their host. The third order or rank of grouping demonic spirits are in Ephesians six are the rulers of the darkness of this world. And these are demons who been assigned to men and women uh, in the leadership to influence their decisions for the kingdom of, of God may be affected because they have specific demons that are assigned to them to bring them down into their ministry. Now I know that a lot of people have a, lot, a hard time with you know the influence of, of, of demonic beings or evil spirits or uncleanness but it's, it's very much uh, uh, you know a truth fact because it's part of the Bible and we cannot, uh, you know, pick and choose parts of the Bible that we, we want to deal with and believe, 
you know, because casting out demons uh, just happened to be a very, you know, crucial and important part of Christ's ministry. And I know people say, well, I don't, I don't see people casting them out today except for maybe on, you know, television programs or movies and, and things like that. But there are a lot of people that deal with um, deliverance ministries and spiritual warfare and, and walk in the area of deliverance and do indeed today cast out uh, demons just as de uh, Jesus did when, when he was here uh, in his earthly in his earthly ministry. Now, uh, this other group is called spiritual weakness in high places. And these spirits seem to be associated with a region. Um, as a matter of fact, did you know that a lot of people, uh, you know, around the world are turning to a new age teaching, this new age teaching that then to turn to Christ. And, and this has happened, you know, I mean, even in the former Soviet Union and, and countries of Eastern Europe, which, you know, have been so recently freed from communism. Um, there are, you know, a lot of people who have become in, effective in, in the New Age movement. There, there, are, there are movie stars, there are television personalities, um, um, those who are of different races that have turned to the New Age development. Uh, and many of you know the story of the the Branch Davidians uh, in Waco, Texas back in, in 93 where the authorities had to kind of restrain um, David Koresh's people from, from running back into the building to be burned up. And, and this was a part of this, this teaching and this ruling. And you also know the story of uh, this, this, this um, suicide mission by um, Jim Jones and, and, and go, you know when, when all of them committed suicide and when parents were to give their their children poison kool-aid you know and a parent wouldn't normally do that you know there has to be an explanation of of this type of behavior and, and most people want to always deem it upon insanity or craziness but there's something that causes insanity there's something that changes our thought life there's something that affects and influences our behavior and you say well yeah it's just people not being wise, not using wisdom, people not being born again. But a lot of times it's a little bit deeper than that. When you look at all the forces that are portrayed to come against us, you know, you can see why, uh, you know, a Christian would need the whole armor of God. And a lot of times when, you know, we're, we're in services, I like to ask, you know, you know, did you remember to dress, you know, for battle this, this morning? Uh, did you remember to dress? Because unless you fully dress for battle, you're not completely dressed. You know, have you placed on your helmet of salvation? Are you carrying, you know, across your chest a breastplate of righteousness? Are, are, you, are you carrying your, your shield, your shield of faith, your, your sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God? Are you walking, in, you know, with the sandals of peace? Have you girded your loins about with truth? I like to ask, have you dressed for battle? Many of us will not walk out the house without our regular physical clothes on but we'll walk out of the house you know not dressed for battle and, and that's a sad notion for us because it's something as important as clothing being armored being protected I mean that's just like you know placing one of the military men's over there in, in Iraq without um, a weapon you know you don't you, you, you that's you they're in the army with the rest of the people but they're not dressed they don't have on you know the military uh, fatigues they don't have on you know the army gear they're not carrying a weapon they don't have any bullets but they're apart they're they're just standing there stripped 
uh, where why everybody else is, is is dressed for battle, and they all enter out there on the front line. And you see this this one particular person that's out there on the front line and has on no protective gear, and you look at that person and say, what in the world is wrong with them? Now that's in the natural realm. Now switch it to the physical realm, and I'm sure if you can see what I'm talking about, you know, you, you would have to say, what in the world is wrong with me? I stepped out this morning with no spiritual armor on. No spiritual armor. So, you know, Paul tell, is telling us that we need to apply this armor so that we can stand the spiritual attacks during the evil day. You know, this is not just a 24-hour period, you know. The evil day is a particular day. It's, it's a day when, you know, something is going to come against you. It's a day when, you know, a, a violent uh, temptations or, or attacks. It's a day when you are caught off guard. You know, you think everything is running smoothly and perfect. And then all of a sudden, something happens on the job. Or all of a sudden... So somebody says something to you or crosses you, and you're like, where in the world did that come from? The evil day, a particular day, an opportune time, a day when Satan could unleash his worst attacks. So the evil day that Paul has in mind is when that great attack comes, when everything breaks loose around you. The evil day. And we have to be aware that these days to come. And, and that's usually when they come, they're so unexpected and we're so off guard that we feel like we've been mistreated or misunderstood or, you know, hurt in some kind of way. Now, in the spiritual armor, we have this bed of truth, which is our first piece of armor that is talked about um, in the Bible. And this bell of truth. And the bell is what held, you know, the soldiers' arms together. And when it comes to truth, you have two choices as Christians. You know, you will believe what you perceive to be true, or you will embrace and believe God's truth. Now, this is why a lot of people have a hard time walking in faith, because they're operating in what we call two realities. And you hear me say that we shouldn't walk by sight, you know, stop sight walking. I often say, don't sight walk because the reality of sight walk is in the physical realm and relies totally, you know, at what we see. But yet the reality of faith is a realm above. It counteracts the, you know, it comes against. It's a higher law than the, the physical realm. And sometimes that's hard for us to understand. But when we walk in a higher law, why, why could God... Why was Jesus able to walk on water? Why could Peter do that? Why was he able to work these miracles? Because he worked above the law. See, we're only familiar with the laws that work in the earth realm. You know, the law of gravity. You know, those, those laws of physics. We're only familiar with laws that work in the physical realm. And we're not familiar with laws that work in the spiritual realm. As a matter of fact, they're so foreign to us that they're almost vague in our minds and they almost seem like an untruth if it wasn't that they were written in the word of God. So we put on this belt of truth. You know, and, and the reason we put on this belt of truth is to remember that the enemy that we're fighting against is a liar. He's a father of lies. And the only way to stand against a liar or a deceiver is with truth. 
And remember, a liar will keep coming at you with his lies as long as they work. And until you stand against the liar and expose that for what it truly is, he'll just keep coming back with a lie after lie after lie. I mean, you've heard it. You've all heard the expression. There are some people that lie so much that they believe their own lies, that they've lied so much that they don't know when they're telling the truth themselves because they can't distinguish now. You know, and when you tell one lie, you got to tell another one to cover that up and another one. And lie, lies become continuously. So there's one thing about truth. If God's truth is important, you can be sure that Satan will make you too busy to read your Bible. And, and how many of us have that problem? Oh, I just got so caught up in the run of a day that I didn't read my Bible. Did you read your Bible today? No, I just didn't have time. I couldn't work it in. Got too busy. Well, that's one of the amazing things that one of Satan's strategic plans. And you'll find that as you study spiritual warfare, he has these little strategic plans that he has developed to create you for you, to keep you distant from God. So one of the things is, you know, is to, you know, busy you, give you too much, you know, other things to do. Keep you distracted, keep you confused, keep you caught up in other things so that you can't read your Bible. The second piece of spiritual armor is the breastplate of righteousness. And you know righteousness protects us against the work of Satan as the accuser. You know, he's an accuser of the brethren. You know, his job is to run back and forth and accuse us before God. You know, point out all that we're doing. And a lot of times he'll set up the very acts that we fall for and then go back and tell and accuse. You know, righteousness is referred to in the scripture. Could be either our righteousness or it could be Christ's righteousness. But Paul probably is referring to Christ's righteousness which Christ gives us in exchange for our sins. And we'll find that in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Now, the reason for this is that it comes to standing against the accuser. Christ really is the only person who is blameless, you know? He is, oh, that's why he was the only one who, can die, who could die for us because he was the only one who knew no sin. Now, Satan could point at no sin in Christ's life, and that's what's great about it. That's why it was so wonderful for him to take our place, our, su our substitute to die in our stead. Because I don't care who you are, you're born into this world, you're born into this world, you're born into sin. I don't care who you are, you're born into sin. Adam was the only man that was created, he was cre created without it, but he ended up sinning. So we're all born, we all come into that arena because of Adam. So we need to stand with Christ's righteousness around us just like a breastplate. When we stand in Christ, Satan has nothing to touch, you know, in us, nothing to accuse us of. You know, the enemy and all his little um, uh, unclean spirits aren't afraid of us, but they certainly are afraid of Jesus Christ and his blood. Now, the, 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 these sandals of the gospel of peace that we wear also the sandals that Paul is talking about, you know, in regards to our feet. He's telling us that uh, to, to put uh, this third piece of spiritual armor on, the sandals of the gospel of peace. You know, just not to go out to preach the gospel. You know, it, it's, it's, it's all about being peaceful. It's all about not stirring up confusion. Why do you need on the sandals of peace today? Because you're going to meet a roaring lion, one, you know, seeking whom he may devour, who will try to make 
your feet slip from under you well, who will try to convince you that God doesn't care about you uh, an enemy you know who's seeking to to really to, to gump you to sift you as wheat you you know how a lion uses his his roar to frighten his prey uh, how that growl just the very sound of his voice seeing the other animals you know scowling off you know, a male lion, you know, an old male lion, in a, in a, in a, you know, will, will go up and just, just let out a roar. And, and those animals become so terrified that they take off in, a, in another direction. So, so that is why we need to be protected. That's why we got to have these sandals of peace upon our feet. Um, God, we can cast all our cares upon him because we know he cares for us. You know, which means we are important to him. We matter where God is concerned. You know, the, the sandals of peace uh, uh, many times is effective, especially for people who are engaged in, in, in intense spiritual warfare. Those who are being wiped out, you know, day by day, you know, and, and at, at times might feel like that God really doesn't love them or is not concerned about what they're going through and, and, and tend to think that if God really did he wouldn't allow them to go through the bondage that they're going through but we're told by Peter that God does care and that you know he has our best interest at heart we are, are of deep concern to him what concerns him uh, and concerns you concerns him and that's great so we, we got to learn that in warfare how we walk is critical. You, you can ask any uh, of the men who have been in war. You can ask the, the, the Viet, Vietnam War veteran how it, easy it was to step on, you know, traps or, or landmines or if you had to walk through a field laced with hundreds of hidden mines waiting to blow your, your feet off or your head off for that matter of fact. You would walk carefully. You would be very particular about how you put your foot down. Um, want to know all the time that you know, that you, you were walking on, you know, the particular ground that had not been booby-trapped. Our shield of faith, and Paul tells us to take this shield of faith, and this shield of faith, uh, important piece of armor, important. The shield covers the soldier, giving him, you know, protection against, you know, the darts and the arrows that may come against him. Faith is important to us because faith, it, it, the F stands for forgiveness or sin, and A for assurance of our salvation, our eyes for identification, you know, into Christ's family, into God's family. T is a trial from over the enemy, and H is our hope for deliverance. Faith is believing what God has said. Why do we stand against the enemy? Because God tells us to. God tells us we stand in the strength of what he says, not what we think in his strength. You know, it's not about whether we think we're powerful enough to stand against unclean spirits, but we, we're thinking and knowing that the Christ in us is. Faith demands a warrant, a grounds for belief. If someone wanted to, to search your home, you know, they would need a warrant. You know, you would demand that they show you something, something legal, you know, a legal document, giving them a right to do so. And he receives this warrant only when he can provide evidence that something probably would be found during the search. You've seen enough, you know, protective, I mean, detective movies or a law and order series or whatever on TV and that, you know, they can't get a warrant unless they can find some evidence, some evidence that would give them, uh, you know, enough probable cause to go 
and to search a place. So we see in Hebrews 11 that we, we have this whole array of men and women who are referred to in connection uh, with their faith and their actions are based upon what God said and God held them up as men and women of faith in Hebrews 11. Now we getting back to our armor and, and spiritual warfare you know we, we got to wear this warfare we've got to you know tell God that by faith we put on his belt of truth today you know prayerfully we put on the breastplate of righteousness and we ask God to help us to keep that breastplate firmly in place to guard against your heart and your emotions and this is a fatal attack of where the enemy tries to step in and hurt you and to get your heart and to get your heart and mind off of God's truth and on to situation and circumstances and we're to put on these sounds of the gospel of peace so we can walk with a sure step and not be tripped uh, up by the enemy or to walk into one of his obstacles or his snares and he would take the shield of faith so that we can stand against the enemy and we would thank God for faith and thank God that our faith is not groundless but is, is, is a ground for action and we're, we're to place upon our heads the helmet of salvation which is a hope of God's deliverance and we just thank the Lord that he has provided us with a piece of protection against the enemy's life against the enemy's life and, and uh, you know that is what the enemy does is lie and, and we can go almost as far as to say the enemy you know has difficulty with hearing truth because he is such a liar and we're strapped on on our sword of the spirit which is God's word that's your Bible you know that's your sword that's your Bible you know, the word of God is sharpened in any two-edged sword. And thank God for the precious gift of his word and rejoice that his spirit can give you a word for your immediate need. How did Christ fight the enemy? When, when he was sent out to the, the you know, to the, the desert be tempted, you know, for those 40 days, how did he fight the enemy? He came after him three times and he fought him with the word of God. And with the pray with supplication and pray, you know, you know for for you know our prayer targets and for people that God has placed upon our heart so you know we have to learn how to you know walk in this in this spiritual armor you know that helmet of salvation a helmet of salvation which can be translated deliverance it, it protects the head it keeps that mind that mind the battlefield of the mind where he it keeps us in that you know spiritual mind sort of spirit and the next piece of armor, you know, is 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 the rima, rima of God's word, not the logos. A rima word is the word for an immediate need. And this is this means knowing and quoting scriptures under the influence, using the word of God under the influence of the Holy Spirit, not just speaking words as a formula. You know, words aren't mag magic, but it's the spirit. You know, it, it's the sword he, he uses, not us. The Holy Spirit is the one who empowers the word when we quote scriptures to the enemy. You don't just get a, a bunch of uh, scriptures, you know, as a, a magic formula. And when you quote this, you know, this is what's going to happen. No, it's under the option of the Holy Spirit. Scriptures come to your mind and that he's going to use to help fight this thing off. And then we're to pray, 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 pray with all supplication. You know, spiritual warfare is a battle of the mind. And the final truth that we need to look at is how it affects the, you know, the, the mind. The, the warfare is a battle, you know, for the mind in, in, in ways that should not even surprise any of us. 
you know, we think warfare is always about uh, physical stuff, but spiritual warfare starts within the mind. You know, and that's why we're admonished to bring every thought into the obedience of Jesus Christ and these imaginations, these things that are lofty and try to lift themselves up the, above the knowledge of God, which is to bring those, you know, unto the obedience of Jesus Christ. You know, the battlefield, the battle is always for the mind. The enemy works in the mind. He starts in your thought life. And, and that's why we need to realize that our deliverance starts with our mind until you actually change your mind. You know, people can cast out, call out, name demons, but until you change your mind about that situation. And I find so many people come and they want deliverance on their terms. They, they don't want to change their mind about the situation. They don't want to change necessarily what they're doing. They want what's in them to come out so they can go back and do what they want to do. You know, as long as they're uncomfortable and, and they're miserable and they're scared and they're fearful, they want, you know, these things called out and cast out of them, but then they go like and entangle in that same bondage again, you know, you know, bringing, you know, allowing this, this demon who has gone out into dry places, seeking somewhere, allowing him to re-enter and he, him bringing them, you know, seven more with him. So, you know, we have to learn how to actually repent and turn our mind, change our mind, turn away from that. Decide within our own mind. You know, decide before you even go up for prayer for deliverance. Decide before you even seek out a deliverance minister or a counselor that you want this thing badly enough to do whatever you got to do to get rid of it. And that's one of the big things. We don't want it badly enough to do whatever we got to do to get rid of it. Because once you come into the area, you know, of the occult and spiritual warfare, one thing you have to do is stay aware. Because the enemy does not give up easily, neither does he fight fair. So when we look at, you know, Peter's command to gird up the loins of our mind, in 1 Peter 1.13, you know, and this, this, remember it was written in ancient times with the, the figure of, um, this uh, soldier in his mind where they would use this uh, waistband to, you know, to adjust their garments uh, so that they wouldn't trip, you know, over um, their sandals while they were in action. So, you know, for today, we, we, we might say roll up your sleeves and get to work or something like that. We wouldn't say, you know, as to um, burn up our lawns, you know, but we would, we, would, we would just, you know, do something to show that we were serious about this thing. And God wants us to be serious about our minds. You know, God wants us to be aware of our thought life, aware of where thoughts are coming from. We think everything that in our heads is ours. And that's the way that the enemy works. He wants you to think it's yours. He wants you to think it's yours so you will take claim over it, so you can speak it, so you can make it a reality into your own life. And that's one of his strategic plans to whip you down because he has mastered you. He knows what makes you move, he makes you groove, he knows what makes you angry, what makes you happy, what makes you sad. He has sit around, he's assigned people to sit around and study you. And I know I'm running out of time. Be blessed and I will see you on next week.